The Bible said in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. Now, who were the Grecians? Well, these were Greek Jews. And then you had the Hebrews, which were your, 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 your regular Israel, you know, from Israel, born in Israel Jews. Your Grecians could also be called Hellenistic Jews. They were Jewish by blood, but they were Greek by nationality. Uh, and we see here that they have come together, they have a disagreement, verse number two. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the minister of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, of them of uh, Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom, the spirit by which he spake. Then they sub, uh, suborned men, or they, they bribed men, uh, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place in the law, speaking of the temple. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now look at chapter 7, verse number 55 this morning. We'll read one more verse about Stephen. We'll pray and we'll get, we'll get into it this morning. It said, but verse 55 of chapter 7, but he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Let's pray again one more time this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do ask you this morning that you hide me behind the cross of Calvary, God. Would you get me out of myself, fill me with the Spirit of God? I thank you, Lord, for your willingness, God, to share insight, Lord, to give direction and clarity when it comes to the Word of God. I'm thankful this morning, Lord, that I'm not up here simply because I have to, Lord. I'm up here because I want to be up here, God, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. I pray, Lord, you'd help us one more time from the word of God, Lord. We, we have come because we need to hear from heaven, God. We need help. We need encouragement. We need strength. We need conviction. We need challenging. Lord, we need changing in our life, Lord, and you're the only one that can do that. And I pray this morning that you'd just simply take the word of God and make it real to us. And, Lord, help us just to glean from it, God, eternal truths, God, that are practical in our everyday life. Lord, help us to put into shoe leather that which we hear this morning to give glory and honor to your name. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know you as a personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, you'd work in their hearts, save them by your grace, change their life and their eternity, Lord. We'll be grateful and we'll be thankful, Lord, for that which you do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, I want to make a statement this morning as we look at Acts 6 and 7. Eventually, we're going to look at Stephen, but kind of bring you up to speed here. Good thing, there, there's, we may not always think it like this, but there are good things that come out of problems. 
Right there, sometimes there's good things that come out of problems. What is that? Sometimes they lead to solutions that we had no idea were there until the problem arose. And we see here in Acts chapter number six, as the church is beginning to take off, right? We're, 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 we're shortly removed from the day of Pentecost where 3,000 souls were saved. And then the Bible says right after that, as they begin and they continue to, in, in preaching and teaching the word of God, the Bible said to the church was added daily, right? Souls were added to the church daily. Folks were getting saved and baptized and being added to the church there in Jerusalem. And so we realize, we think, man, in a lot of times when we read the book of Acts, we, we, I think we fail to remember that they were people just like you and I. They, they had problems and struggles, and we, we think, well, just because of the day of Pentecost, that they didn't have any issues, they didn't have any growing pains or any growing problems, that everything was just fine and dandy. The reality is they, they were facing problems that any church is going to face when it's growing and when it's multiplying is there, how, do you, how do you fix this and how do you fix that? How do you deal with that? And so we got to realize that at one point, if you think about it in a logical sense, if you look at the 12 apostles, we know Judas being replaced. If you look at the 12 apostles and just on the day of Pentecost, if 3,000 souls were saved and added to the church, if you break that down, you divide 300 by 12, that is 250 people that each disciple or each apostle is responsible for to care for, to help, to pastor in that sense. And so do you realize that was a lot for one person? Right, we go to our Good News Club and sometimes we have upwards of eight volunteers in there and around 40 kids. So you break that down, it's about five kids a person. And sometimes it's like, I don't know if we're gonna make it out of here alive. And yet now we realize that now there's this great influx of people, but we also don't know how many of those people are widows. Right, the Bible doesn't tell us, well, out of the 3,722 were actually widows. The Bible just says, hey, there was a problem that arose, and it arose between the Grecians and the Hebrews. The Grecians were, were looking and saying, why are our widows not being taken care of or not being neglected? Not that they weren't getting food and water, but they weren't getting the same treatment, per se, as everybody else. And the reality is, this morning, a lot of it was there just wasn't enough people to go around. In that sense, there, was, there, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a, a, a well-structured system because they were trying to figure this thing out. Well, we're talking we are maybe a year, two years at the most into this thing. Maybe even less than that. And they're, they're, they, don't have, they don't have a book to go back to. Right, there is no church manual for them to follow. They are, they are trying to figure all this out, but yet they step back and say, well, we can't ignore this issue, but we've got to solve this issue, and we've got to fix this issue, and we've got to figure out what's the best way to do this. What is the way we can do this that honors God or brings glory to God? And so the, the apostles sit down, and they, they, they come with this idea. They say, we're going to select seven men to take over this office, what we would call the deacon today, to take over this deacon office to care for these widows so we can give ourselves continually to the word of God, to prayer and to teaching and preaching the gospel. And so they, 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 the Bible says in verse, uh, verse number six, not verse number six, but chapter number six, the Bible said in verse number five and saying, it pleased the whole multitude, right? This is a wonderful idea. And so the Bible said they went and they found seven men. And one of these men's name was Stephen. Now, I want you to understand in verse number three, there were some qualifications to these men. 
that they were going to be these deacons, these servants. There were some qualifications they were going to have to follow or they're going to have to be found in these men. And I want you to notice the order that this takes place. The Bible said in verse number three, look you out among you seven men of honest report. So these men had to be well respected. They had to have a good reputation. In essence, they, they were the kind of people that we would look at and say, oh, they are good people. They are, they are, they are, they are, they have a wonderful reputation, not just in the church, but in their family and in their job side. They, they, they just have a good character. They have their honesty. They have integrity. And so that was the first thing they looked for. They had to be of men of good report. Then it goes on to say, not only had to be men of good report, but they also had to be full of the Holy Ghost, right? They had to be spirit-led and spiritual men. In essence, it wasn't just, well, they're good people, but they had to know the word of God. They had to have a walk with God that was evident, not that they were proclaiming that, but you could look at them and see this kind of spiritual life in these men. So they had to be a good report for the Holy Ghost and wisdom, right? They had to, they had wisdom. They had to be scripturally sound. Right, they had to be biblically understanding things. They had to understand that the problems they were facing weren't just going to be practical problems, but they'll be spiritual ones as well. And that'd be the case, and they needed to have understanding and a working of the Word of God. We're living in a generation where most men who are standing behind the pulpit have no idea what the Bible really says. They're just concerned about numbers or, 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 or uh, entertaining or, or making you feel good. Can I say, a, 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 and not just behind the pulpit, but in homes and on job sites, this country, and the, our society needs men and women who know the Word of God and knows what it says and know why it's there and know how to live it because that's what's going to make the difference. But we see here they, they were full of wisdom. Then the Bible said in verse number three, whom we may appoint over this business, right? That we may appoint over uh, this business. So they had to have managerial skills. They had to be able to get a task done. They had to, they, they, they had to be able to say, all right, here's where we are, here's where we want to be, and here's how we're going to get there. They had to be business-minded in that sense that they, they knew how to get a job done. Now, the, the problem is in our society, we have flip-flopped those requirements oftentimes for a deacon. Matter of fact, most deacons have been selected on this idea. They're good businessmen. They're good at, at, at running a business. Therefore, let's make them a deacon. I've heard it before. That man is a successful businessman. You, you probably need to make him a deacon of the church. Right? The reality is it ought to flow the other way. Right, all of me, men of honest report, men of good report, men of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. But here we find this man, Stephen, in verse number, uh, let's see, what is that? Verse number five, and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Now notice this, it gives him this description, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And then it lists the other six after him. And now, I don't think those were terrible men. Matter of fact, that man named Philip, he would go on and win the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. We know his story in the book of Acts. We read about him. He's the one that God calls out of revival to reach one single soul, and he does a great work for the Lord. But then we see this man, Stephen, and there is a word that follows Stephen in his short yet impactful ministry. Matter of fact, Stephen is mentioned a few other times in the book of Acts, but it's in re reference to his previous actions. But here in Acts 6 and Acts 7 is all we really know about Stephen. And yet here's what we know. He was a man that was full. He was a man that was full. And we're going to see some things this morning that he, what, what was Stephen full of? Anybody ever told you you're full of it? Normally that's not a good thing, right? Normally that's not a, that's not a positive statement. But there are some things this morning that Stephen was full of. And the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, are we full? 
Are we full this morning like Stephen was? And if we are full, what are we full of? We're going to see three areas this morning where Stephen was full and have to beg ourselves and ask ourselves the question, am I a full Christian? Am I a Christian that is full or am I one that is operating on E? Now, I'm just getting through, but I understand there's seasons and times in life where you feel like you're just dog tired, you're just wore out. I understand that this morning. But the Christian life is not to be lived on the fumes of the Holy Ghost. It is not to be lived on the crumbs of the bread of life. It is to be lived fully and completely to bring glory and honor to God. And we're going to see that it is possible because Stephen does it. And if Stephen can do it, God is no respecter of persons. And you and I can live a full Christian life. But we must ask ourselves this morning, are we full? And if not, why not? And if, if not, are we okay with that? Are we going to pursue what is necessary for you and I to be full as Christians this morning? Notice, notice three areas this morning that Stephen was full. Number one, Stephen was full of faith. He was full of faith. Verse number eight, the Bible said, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So we see that Stephen was full of faith. Well, let me ask you, what is faith? Well, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's the biblical definition of faith. It is the evidence or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, preacher, what does that mean? And we'll preach, what, what, what exactly, how do you have substance of things hoped for, right? That is, that is talking about our future hope. By faith, we believe in a place called heaven. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, but yet we understand it because we have a substance this morning that tells us and describes to us that wonderful place and who is there, we have substance. But by faith, we believe that substance to be true. Right, by faith, we hope. That is our hope. It is not I hope that I'm going to heaven one day. I, I think I might. It is a blessed hope. And it is the anchor of my soul. It is what gets me through the hard times, the difficult times, knowing that one day I'm going to leave this world behind and I'm going to spend an eternity in a place called heaven. So it is the substance of things hoped for, but it's also the evidence of things not seen. Right, the evidence of things not seen. Well, the reality is, when you think about it, evidence is something you can see. How many of you have ever seen that show, CSI? And everything, they don't know who's done it, who's, who's going where, or what happened, and then they find that one piece of evidence that turns the whole case over. But here the Bible said that faith is the evidence of things not seen. So preacher, how in the world can we have evidence of something we haven't seen? Well, it's by faith. Well, preacher, you're going to have to explain that to me. Things I see, these are present realities. Let me ask you, do you remember the day that you got saved? And Jesus forgave all of your sins. You got up from praying. You got up from wherever you were saying, I know the Lord has saved me. Let me ask you, did you see him open the door? Did you, did you feel him sit down on the couch next to you or the, the altar next to you and put his arms around you? No, by faith, we believe that's what he did because it is the evidence of things not seen, the forgiveness of sins, the intercession of Christ in heaven. Right now the Bible says that Christ is in heaven praying for us. How many of y'all seen that? How many have opened up heaven and said, oh, there he is, I see him. He's praying for me. But how many believe that's what he's doing right now? Why? We have the evidence of things not seen. 
And by faith, we believe those things. In essence, you could boil it down this way. Faith, in its most practical sense, is you and I believing God, believing what he said, believing what he's done, and believing what he's going to do. It is, it is, it is, it is a full trust and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Stephen was a man who just didn't have some faith, but he was full of faith. In essence, if you poked Stephen anywhere, faith was coming out. Right, he was, he was full of faith. He was full of hope. He was full of expectancy. He was full of faith. He believed that God could. He believed that God had, and he believed that God was going to. He was a man full of faith, which leads to the next thing we see in verse 8. His full faith leads to full power. His full faith leads to full power. At our house, we've got a, a trash can, and it's battery operated. You know you're living in 2024 when you've got a battery operated trash can. And that thing, you put, you put D-cell batteries in it, and it's got a little sensor on it that you walk by, and you, you just swipe your hand, and the lid pops up, you put the trash in. The only trash can that's cooler than ours is the one that Taco Bell used to have. When you'd put it in, it'd close back and say thank you. Thought it was the coolest thing when I was growing up. The Taco Bell and Tobacco Road had one. But the batteries begin to wane in our trash can. And it went from where you had to just swipe it real quick, or if you walk by, it'll pop open, to where you were having to almost put your thumb down on the sensor to get it to go up. Preacher, what'd you do? I took out the low batteries and I put new batteries in there and it is cranking wide open again. I mean, you holler from the other side of the house, that thing flips up. And it's time, it's full of power. And we see that it is evident in Stephen's life that he is full of faith which leads him to be full of power. We are living in a generation that, that we can, if we look at it, we're honest, the power of God is missing. The power of God is few and far in between. Not every church that, we, that you go to and every church that is open right now has what we have here at South Haven Baptist Church. It is not in our programs. It is not necessarily our song choices. It is not in the tie and the suit that I wear. It is that we, by faith, come here and say, Lord, we need to hear from heaven. And Lord, I'm going to go out there and do by faith what the preacher preaches out of the word of God. And that is what enables us to have power. We see here this morning that Stephen has full of faith, but he's also full of power. Not his, but God's power. How, preacher, how do you know it was God's power? Look at verse number eight. He did great wonders and miracles among the people. I stood in front of about 40 kids Thursday and told them that miracles are things that only God can do. The reality is that is a true statement. Miracles are only things that God can do. When Jesus changed the water to wine, only God can do that. When, when, when Jesus walked up to the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth, and he miraculously got out of the grave, only God can do that. And so we see this morning that Stephen's full of power is, enables him to be in the place and the position of his life that through Stephen, God is working miracles and wonders. It wasn't this powerful faith, or it was this powerful faith that enabled Stephen to do wonders and miracles. Stephen was not a showman or a charlatan. In essence, I don't think Stephen walked out there and said, hey, bring me all your sick, I can heal them. Hey, bring me all your lame, I can make them walk again. Bring me all your blind, I can make them see again. All you had to do is pay me 99.99. 99 
and I can do a great wonder and a great miracle. Maybe they had brought those people to Stephen somehow or to the disciples and he maybe looked at them and said, well, listen, I can't do much for him. I can't fix them, but I know one who can. And I believe if it's his will and his desire, nothing will get in the way. How about we just pray that God would heal this person? And by faith, Stephen began to believe that God could and through that faith, God allowed his power to flow through Stephen. Yes, Stephen was there, but Stephen wasn't doing the miracles. Stephen wasn't doing the wonders by his own power. And we know that he did these things, but we don't know the specifics. Right, the Bible said in verse number eight, it just tells us he did wonders and miracles, but we don't have a specific list. We don't, we don't have how many people you know, he healed from cancer or, or how many people he made to walk again or how many people uh, received their sight. Why doesn't the Bible list that? Because God knew as men, we would cling to that. We would say, oh, a life that is full of faith and power is one that heals the sick only. But the reality is that there are miracles and wonders that God wants to do in us and through us if we by faith allow and believe him to do so and allow ourselves to be a channel for his power. It's not us doing the miracle. Let me ask you, have you ever seen it? You know, that's that big question. Is God still doing miracles today? Well, of course he is. Of course he is. I got saved by the grace of God. That's a miracle. <laughs> My family is together. That is by the grace of God. That's a miracle. But the reality is, now, we're not talking about these specific times of signs and wonders that they did in those times, but God has a wonder and a work and a miracle that if we would believe him and allow his power to flow through us, he would let us be a part. We won't do it by ourselves, but God will do it in us and through us. <laughs> how, does, how does someone like Miss Carrie Phillips go to Uganda and become a, a teacher of basketball to blind kids? which allows her to go into the Muslim high schools there to preach the gospel. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that they open the door. It's a miracle that she goes. <laughs> I, know, I know there's a lot of preachers who will stand behind a pulpit, sound big and bad, but would not do what she's doing. We see here this morning that, that God has a desire. If we're full of faith and we believe that God can and God is able and we allow ourselves to become that vessel that God puts his power on and puts his power through, there's a great work that God wants us to do this morning. Stephen was a man that was full of faith. The question is, do we believe that God could do that for us? Do we believe, do we have faith? Are we full of faith? Let's be honest this morning. Sometimes my faith is, it's way up there. I'm talking about give me the, give me the water pistol, pull me toward the gates of hell, and I'll take on the Satan. And there's sometimes where my faith is way down there. And God has to remind me, it's not me doing it. Not by my power, not by my strength, but by the power of the Lord this morning. How, that's how things are done. And I want to be a person of, who is full of faith that when God puts something in my heart or God puts something in my mind and, and gives direction, I don't step back and say, well, God, that's impossible. That'll never work. Lord, have you thought about this, 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 and this? It's not what God's asking us. He's asking us, are we willing to trust him? Are we going to be full of faith? Number one, Stephen was full of faith. Let me ask you, how full is your faith this morning? Then notice number two this morning, Stephen was full of wisdom. Stephen was full of wisdom. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom. And wisdom. Let me ask you, how did Stephen know he was full of wisdom? 
how did he know that? Right? How, does, how does one know they are full of wit? Well, maybe Stephen had never missed a Sunday school class. Maybe if you went to his Sunday school class and you looked at the roster on the wall, there was a gold star by Stephen's name for every week because he never missed it. And therefore, now Stephen is why. Well, maybe he could name the books of the Bible in order. Really, he had it easier than you and I. He only had 39 at the time. <laughs> These other ones, that, that, the other 27 that mean you got to add to it, Stephen didn't have. But it isn't that Stephen's ability to name the books of the Bible in order that makes him wise. Well, maybe Stephen was undefeated in sword drills. He had the fastest, the fastest fingers in the Middle East. And nobody could beat him at those things. But that didn't make him wise. How did Stephen know that he was wise? Here's the thing. Stephen didn't qualify himself. He didn't step up and say, all right, fellas, I'm wise. Matter of fact, the person that does that isn't too wise. He doesn't qualify himself, but rather others observed it in him. And they seen it in him. And others said, Stephen, that fellow, he's full of wisdom. The Bible said, verse 18, look ye out, right? And as we look out at Stephen, we can definitely see godly wisdom in Stephen. In these short two chapters, when the majority of chapter number seven is Stephen preaching. But in these short chapters, we see a great amount of wisdom not just earthly, practical wisdom, but godly wisdom coming out of Stephen. Notice, first of all, how, how can we see wisdom in Stephen? Well, first of all, he didn't box himself in. Now, what was Stephen chosen to do? To take care of the widows. To serve the table, so to speak. To, to, to provide the needs of these neglected widows. Let me ask you, where in the Bible does it say that he did that? Here's the interesting thing about it. I, I, think, I think Stephen did. No doubt, but we don't have any recorded record of Stephen actually doing that. But we do find that Stephen is preaching. Stephen is being martyred. Stephen, Stephen is suffering for Jesus Christ. Stephen is a light. And matter of fact, most scholars believe it is the death of Stephen that begins to work in the heart of Saul of Tarsus. Because it is his clothes that are delivered to the feet of Tarsus. And with his clothes, also his testimony is delivered. And we're going to get into a few minutes this morning. But we see here, he didn't box himself in. Here's the thing. Stephen becomes one of the first martyrs in church history. But he very easily could have missed out on it by simply saying, I'm just a deacon. No, 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 no. I'm not going to the temple. I'm not, I'm not going to preach. I'm just a deacon. Right? No doubt there's... The, we got to understand in the Bible when it comes to church, there are such things as spiritual gifts, right? They're, they're, they're found in First and Second Corinthians. There's this mention of these spiritual gifts. And a lot of times people will, will take a test that will help them determine their spiritual gifts and they'll get the top three. And they'll say, well, this is what I must do for God. I'm not called to do anything else. If Stephen would have lived by that mentality, Stephen wouldn't have been in Acts chapter seven. He would have said, oh, I'm just a deacon. This is, this is the apostle's job. I, I'm, I'm just going to go serve my table. No, Stephen had wisdom to recognize that though it may not be what he was chosen to do by men and ultimately by God, it is what God had placed in his life. And he said, this is the opportunity. This is the moment that God has given me and I'm going to make the most of it for his glory. And I said, that's a wise thing to do. A wise thing for you and I to understand that just because something is outside of our gift zone, so to speak, does not mean that we are not called or not allowed to do it. Or not supposed to do it. So he didn't box himself in. He could have said, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm not called to that. I, go get somebody else. But he was wise enough to understand this is what God was doing in his life. Not only this, we see his wisdom in the fact he didn't box himself in. But also his disputers couldn't disprove him. 
Verse number 10, the Bible said they were not able to resist the wisdom in the spirit by which he spake. Stephen spoke in, in, with such a way and taught in such a way, they had no idea how to come back at him. They had no idea how to disagree with him. Right, there's a lot that you and I can do with, godly, uh, do with godly wisdom. There's a lot that people can do with godly wisdom. They can resist it. They can refuse it. They can reject it. They can argue against it. They can hate it. They can avoid it, but they cannot disprove it. They cannot disprove it. And verse number 10 tells us they, they could not resist it. They, they couldn't come up with a credible argument or a credible a statement that took everything Stephen was saying and made it not for naught. They could not argue completely and totally with them. And so verses 11 through 13, when they could not defeat him, when they could not take his godly wisdom and disprove it, they lied on him. Look at verse number 11. And then they subdued men. They bribed men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came on him and caught him and brought him to the council. Look at verse number 13. And set up false witnesses. They set up false. It sounds really familiar. What do you mean, preacher? The same thing they did to Jesus? What a testimony it would be for you and I to be so full of wisdom that Satan's only resort is to tell a lie about us. He's the father of lies. He's going to do it anyways. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we'd have to give him no truth to go with it? We lived so, such wise, and we lived like David. The Bible said he behaved himself wisely. Notice his disputers couldn't disprove him. Notice this in verse, chapter 7, verses 1 through 53. There was his delivery of a thorough message. Verse number 1 of chapter 7, then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, fathers, hearken. He said, Y'all listen to me for a second. He's actually going to be a little bit more than just a second. He's got 53 verses of Stephen just preaching to them. And it's interesting to me because in the scenario... Had it been me, I'd have been defending myself. I did not do those things. I did not say those things. I did not, that y'all are lying on me. Y'all need to get it figured out. Y'all need to quit doing all that kind of stuff. Stephen, Stephen begins, he starts all the way back at, at Abraham. And he goes from Abraham down to Moses, down to Joseph, and down, down through the line. He's preaching to them all the way down to David and all the way to Jesus. Can I say any good sermon always goes to Jesus? And here Stephen begins to preach, but in my Bible at the house, there's certain, there's certain verses that are in full capitalized letters. Your Bible may be that way. The one I have in the pulpit this morning is not that way. But if you go back and you find those verses, Stephen isn't just preaching his opinions or his thoughts or his ideas. He is directly quoting Scripture to these men. Can I say any message that you and I preach that we teach others, we share with others. It needs more than our opinions. It needs more than our ideas. It needs Bible, amen? Bible preaching will always get the job done. And here, Stephen, you go back and at the majority of his sermon is him just quoting scripture to the, these, these, these wicked men that have, that have come upon him and lied upon him. Then notice this. So preacher, what was, what, was, what was the outcome of this? Look at verse 54, chapter number seven. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. It bothered them. Stephen could have easily put them down. Stephen could have easily lifted himself up, but he preached unto them Christ. <laughs> he said some hard things to them. He called them in verse, uh, verse number 51, he called them stiff-necked and un uncircumcised in heart. 
Why do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so did you? He said, you're just like your daddy and your daddy's daddy whom God has come and shown you all these great things and you resist the Holy Ghost. He was, he was honest with them. But at this time, at, by that point, he'd already given the scriptures and he knew in their heart they were, they, were, they were quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said it cut them to the heart and it bothered them. And instead of getting right, they came with the idea, we're gonna get rid of him. We're, we are gonna we are gonna remove him. Let me ask you: Would others say that you're full of godly wisdom, like Stephen was? That the way you talk, the way you live, the way you act—it just—it it, you don't have to stand up and remind everybody how much wisdom you had. I think I said this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and I was just talking with uh, somebody this week, and I said, if you have to walk around and tell everybody how spiritual you are or how spiritual you are, you're probably not very spiritual. In essence, spirituality and wisdom, it just oozes. It ought to just ooze from us. It is who we are. I don't have to go around and, and, and I want everybody to know that I'm full of godly wisdom. If you need something, come talk to me. I'm full of godly wisdom. Now, I will share with you and I will counsel you, but I will never tell anybody, this is what you have to do. I'll normally say it along these lines. If this was me, here's what I would do. Here's how I would handle it. Here's what the Bible says. Can I say not, that'll do a lot more hope than me and you walking around saying, well, I know all the answers. I'm full of godly wisdom. I've learned in my life that those that are full of it oftentimes don't even realize that they're full of it. <laughs> they, it just oozes out of them and you just sit there like, oh. can't tell how many times a preacher's preaching. I'm like, how? That chapter's not in my Bible. That, that's, they, they added that in there and added all that good stuff with it. That's always been there. They just have wisdom. We see tonight that Stephen, or this morning Stephen was full of wisdom. But the others say that you're full of godly wisdom like Stephen was. And then finally this morning, we see that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. Preacher, what do you mean, or, or what do I mean when I say the full, or the Bible says full of the Holy Ghost? Because nowadays you've got to clarify that. There's a lot of people who say, well, there are... Brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so were full in the Holy Ghost. Well, how do you know? Well, at church, they started rolling around on the floor. They started speaking in tongues. They, they started acting crazy. They cut that dance that they cut. And they were full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Bible said that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. He did none of that. He didn't do a single one of those things. Matter of fact, the Bible said he was full of the Holy Ghost. Well, preacher, what do we mean? Let me ask you, how much of the Holy Spirit did you get when you got saved? And how much Holy Spirit did you get and did I get when I got saved? Did you get more than I did? No. The Bible said that when we got saved, we got all of God. 100% of him now dwells inside of us. We, we, have, we got all of him. So, well, preacher, what does the Bible mean when, when it says that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost? Does that mean that he had more of the Holy Ghost? No, it means that Stephen's life was fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. In essence, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you and always dwell inside of you. The, the question to ask is how much of myself is yielded to the Holy Spirit? Or how much do I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in my everyday life? And when we come to the place where it is no longer about my wants, it's no longer about my desires, my dreams, my goals, and it's all about Him, we will live the fully or full of the Holy Spirit kind of Christian life where we are being completely yielded and led by the Holy Spirit. And that's who Stephen was. Well, when did Stephen become full of the Holy Ghost? Well, if you go to verse number five of chapter number six, at the beginning of the, the account, man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Who? Stephen. He was full of the Holy Ghost and everything was going well. Then you go to verse number 55 of chapter number seven, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, 
He's about to die. The Bible said through all that, Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Spirit. So someone who's full of the Holy Spirit is completely and totally yielded to the Holy Ghost. Stephen did not yield himself to the Holy Ghost during his problems or persecutions. He was full in the beginning, back in verse number five, when things were going good. Now, there's two ways that we can see this morning that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, or he was full of the Holy Ghost. First of all, we see in his appearance, look at verse number 15 of chapter number six. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And I don't think that meant that Stephen was sitting there going, but they could see peace on his face. They could see joy on his face. Even though he's been falsely accused, even though they're, they're coming against him, even though they are preparing to take his life, the Bible said that the face, the, his, his countenance was different. Why? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't worried. He wasn't fearful. He wasn't afraid. What, what should I be? What can man do to me? Was how Stephen was living. Why? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He knew that God had him there for that purpose and that reason, and he was okay with it. He had settled that in his heart. He was peaceful and calm. One of the ways you can tell that someone is full of the Holy Spirit is that when the storms come, there is a calm to them that you can't explain. There's a calm to them that, that the world can't understand. How in the world do you go through all of that and you still got a smile on your face and, and you're not frantic, you're not pulling your hair out? Well, because everything's going to be okay. But what happens if you lose your house? Everything's going to be okay. What happens if all your family dies? Everything's going to be okay. What happens if you lose everything? Everything's going to be okay. Why? Because I can't lose Jesus. And to live with that mentality allows and yield to the Holy Spirit Ghost, you'll be reminded that no matter what men say or men does or men try to do to you and I, it does not affect our salvation. And we, we can go through these trials with the right appearance. Not only his appearance, but notice his attitude, verse number 60 of chapter number 7. The Bible said, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. He didn't take a nap. He died. But here, he's moments from death. He has been falsely accused. They have come against and they begin to stone him a painful way to die. And the Bible said in verse number six, how do we know Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit? Because he sounded a lot like the Lord. He said, Father, or he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And in essence, well, whose charge is he supposed to lay it to? Christ. Did Christ not bear every man's sin on the cross of Calvary? Lord, let them see that you paid for this debt. You paid for this crime. You paid for this sin. A person who's full of the Holy Spirit is going to sound a whole lot like the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're not yielded to our flesh. My flesh sounds nothing like Jesus. My flesh sounds nothing like my Bible. My flesh sounds like revenge. My flesh sounds like anger. My, my flesh sounds like jealousy and envy and all those kind of things. Matter of fact, I, I, took, a, I took a different way to church this morning than I normally take, and I drove by the, the, the contemporary church here in town. I just wanted to see if they are having Super Bowl Sunday. And I drove by, and there we were. They were out there in their, their, their jerseys and all that good stuff. And, and, I, and the Lord said, why did you even drive by? What are you going to change? What are you going to fix? I said, well, Lord, I just wanted I, I, to, Lord said, you ain't no better than them. <laughs> you don't have it all figured out just because you wear a shirt and tie to church. 
But I was reminded this morning, my attitude is not a better than thou or better than thee. It is, am I like Christ? Am I like the Lord? Am I in such a way that when all this false stuff becomes against me like it does Stephen, will I have the same desire? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. We see that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. We see that he was full of wisdom. And we see that he was full of faith. Let me ask you this morning, how does Jesus feel about these, about Stephen? How does Jesus react to a full Christian? Well, look at verse number 55. The Bible said, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. That he is for all eternity, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. We see in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, that when Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looks up to heaven, in essence, God opens up the clouds for Stephen. And Stephen sees Jesus standing up. And in essence, that Jesus has stood up off of his seat at the right hand of the Father and is looking down at Stephen. And we were reminded that the Lord's reaction to you and I being a full Christian is that he stands. Well, preacher, what in the world does that mean that he stands? Well, he's, he stood in approval. As he was standing saying, that is, that is my child, that, 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 is, that, is, that is my servant, that is my man who is full of faith, who is full of wisdom, who is full of the Holy Spirit. He is mine. He's standing in pr- approval, but also appreciation. Let me ask you, you ever been to one of them shows where everything, where they, you know, maybe it's a drama, maybe it's an orchestra, maybe it's one of those things and they get done playing and everybody stands up and does this? What are you doing? You're showing your appreciation. Showing your appreciation. Yeah, bravo, bravo, well done. Throw, throw roses on the stage. You're showing your appreciation. And so when Jesus stands up, he's showing his appreciation to Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for going that far for me. I appreciate what you've done. But Jesus was also standing up in anticipation. Why? Jesus knew Stephen had but moments to live. Uh, now, this is using our spiritual imagination here this morning. Jesus looks down. Stephen's about to die. And Jesus said, you know, I'm going to stand up. I want to meet him at the gate. I want to I be there when he walks in and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, I wonder this morning if, we, if we're so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of wisdom and so full of faith, that when it comes time to die, when it comes for our time to, to leave this world to go into the next, I wonder if it's going to cause Jesus to stand up. And so I want to see them first. I want to tell them first before anything else, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus approves of a full Christian. Jesus appreciates a full Christian. And Jesus desires for you and I to be a full Christian this morning. Let me ask you this morning, and we'll pray, are you full? Are you full of faith? Are you full of wisdom? Are you full of the Holy Ghost this morning? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning.